If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to the book of Joshua, uh, chapter number 24. The book of Joshua, chapter number 24. And we've been in a series, and we continue to be in a series called Here. And uh, as uh, Stephen said earlier, every single weekend what we are doing is we are going over a tenet of our faith or a core value of our church that gives us a context to what we do here. So uh, we've been doing this little uh, demonstrative move every single weekend. We'll do it again this weekend. Guys ready? Get your index fingers out. Here. Again. (laughs) Pete Pete did a twirl with it. (laughs) Here. One more time. Real loud. Here. We're going over stuff we do here. Okay? So uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to uh, Joshua chapter number 24. Uh, and hold that for a minute as I give you the, the title of the message and uh, some context about where we're going. Uh, so before we do all of that, bow your heads, let's pray real quick. God, thank you for the opportunity to be here. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So uh, if you're taking notes, and you should because nerds rule the world, uh, the title of this message is Here We Serve. Here we serve. As many of you all know, if you're a resident of our community, um, the vision of Embassy City Church is very, very simple. Stephen said earlier, I like to keep it really simple. Uh, The vision of Embassy City Church is to see people saved, discipled, and serving. Real simple. As long as our uh, uh, church doors are open, as long as our assignment Uh, is to be in this community, we want to see people give their life to Jesus Christ. We want to see people come to Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. But we don't want to just see them come into a uh, religious sense of a relationship with God, where if I check my attendance box every weekend, I must be a good Christian. We we don't want a spirit of religion when it comes to a relationship with Jesus Christ— We want a relationship with Jesus Christ that allows us to be incredible ambassadors for his kingdom. So we want to see people saved. Uh, But the reason why the next thing is there is that we want to see people discipled. We want to see people spiritually mature in their relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to see people come to a knowledge of him, an understanding of him, that, that he goes past being Lord and Savior to being friend, (laughs) confidant, the leader, the one that is guiding you in everything that you're going to be doing, disciple, spiritual formation. As Stephen said in Oversight, uh, that we would start forgiving. (laughs) That's when you know you're being discipled. You, You get Jesus and you're saved. You're discipled when you start forgiving people. You, you, you know, when you stop saying stuff like, I'm saved, but you can only push me so far. Wherever that line is, here's what you've basically told all of heaven and hell. I'm saved, but if you want to know where you can get me, the address is this line. I'm okay until I go to the family reunion. I'm saved, but... You can only push me so, too far. No, we want to see people disciple to the point that they can poke you with a stick and you just don't even move. You're like, I'm dead. I have to, I have to die daily 
and I would love to respond by knocking you out. It would make my flesh feel really, really good, but I'd be a poor ambassador of the kingdom if I did so. So we want to see people discipled. And the last thing is we want to see people serving. Now, we're going to talk about serving today, but a lot of times when uh, you hear the word serve, there's this indication that, you know what, you, you must want uh, more volunteers, and you want, must want some people to serve in the church, and so you're doing a, a good message on church to push and really hope you get a lot of people to serve in the church. Well, yeah, and no. Serving is about what we do here and what we do outside of here. It's about what we do for God in our personal life, what we do for our community of faith, but also what we do for others outside of our church communities. If the only thing you do is serve people here, be nice here, be huggy here, and as soon as you walk out of those doors, you're the complete opposite, then you've taken here the wrong way. (laughs) Oh, I love people at church here, but not at my job. There's here and there's there. So I'm down with here, but I don't want to do anything without there. No, whatever is happening here has to happen there. Or we're hypocrites. So there's, so there's some uh, statements that I want to read here that I wrote down, and uh, I want you to write these down. The first one is, uh, we serve God and we serve people. We serve God, and we serve people. Again, those are going to be our points, and I'll break those down in a minute. Here's the definition of serve. To render obedience or homage, and parenthetically, I gave you the definition of homage, honor or respect shown publicly to God. Again, to serve, uh, one definition is to render obedience or homage to God. Here's the other definition of serve, to be useful or of service to help, to be useful or of service to help. So when you think about serving, think about the fact that one act of service that we give and can only be given exclusively to God is to obey him. You want to know how to serve God? Obey him. Like, don't do stuff. Obey him. Don't just hear what the message is. Do what the message says. Don't just show up and go through the motions, but privately have so many things out of bounds and and out of parameters in your life that God's kind of scratching his head and going, what exactly are you doing? The way that we serve God is not to show up and do stuff in church. The way we serve God is to obey him. The way we serve people is to help them. So question and answer. How do we serve God? I just said it. Obey him. How do we serve people? I just said it. Help them. Make it very, very simple for you. 
if you want to know how to obey, if you want to know how to serve God, just obey everything he tells you to do. You'll be serving him. It's the best way you can serve Jesus is just to do anything he tells you to do. And here's how you bless people. Here's how you serve people. Just help them out. So when we come to church, we're doing two things. We're serving God by being obedient to whatever he tells us to do. And we're serving people by helping them to obey God. (laughs) So I have three points. I want you to write these three points down as it relates to service. Point number one, serve God with your life. If you want to know how we serve God, we serve God with our entire lives. I want to show you something, and that's why I had you go to Joshua chapter number 24 first. Uh, Here's what it says, uh, starting at the 14th verse. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods? Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. How many people have heard this scripture before? Some people have it hung up in their bathroom. It's like that's where the reminder is. When I go to the restroom, I'm reminded, that's for me in this house, of all the places you could have hung that. That's where you want to remember that you will serve the Lord. All your guests come over and go, oh, that's okay. This house serves the Lord. We read and stop right there, but, but I, want to, I want to go further in the narrative. The people replied, we would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. For the Lord our God is the one who rescued us and our ancestors from slavery in the lands of Egypt. He performed mighty miracles before our very eyes. As we traveled through the wilderness among our enemies, he preserved us. It was the Lord who drove out the Amorites and the other nations living here in the land. So we too will serve the Lord, for he alone is our God. Now, Joshua's response seems to be like, Reverse psychology is like playing with their heads. Here's his response. Then Joshua warned the people, you are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy and jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you abandon the Lord and serve other gods, he will turn against you and destroy you, even though he has been so good to you. Who, how, what kind of response is this? They just pledged allegiance. Like, hey, you're not the only guy that's going to serve the Lord. Josh, we want to serve him too. You won't serve the Lord. You're not giving up your rebellion. They were like, what are you talking about? Yes, we will. So here's their response. But the people answered Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. You are a witness to your own decision, Joshua said. You have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, they replied. We are witnesses to what we have said. All right then, Joshua said, destroy the idols among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people of Joshua, the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God. We will obey him alone. 25. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day at Shechem, committing them 
to follow the decrees and regulations of the Lord. Joshua recorded these things in the book of God's instructions as a reminder of their agreement. He took a huge stone and rode it beneath the terebinth tree beside the tabernacle of the Lord. Joshua said to all the people, this stone has heard everything the Lord said to us. It will be a witness to testify against you if you go back on your word to God. Then Joshua sent all the people away to their own homelands. See, a lot of times when we read that scripture, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're like, woohoo, yeah. But this just wasn't a statement. It was a covenant agreement. That this is not just lip service. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. I've committed my life to serving God. And again, serving God is not doing stuff for him. It's obeying God him. I know so many people that love church environments. They just don't love of the God that is, they just don't love the God that established the church environment enough to obey what he says. And so they'll keep grudges. They'll be angry. They'll, they'll, they'll be distant. They won't communicate with other churches. They won't open their heart and be full of love. They create boundaries. They create distance. They're manipulative. They control. And God's going, this is why? What? No. I, I would rather you stop doing all of that and obey me than to show up seven days in a row and your heart is far from me. So how do we serve God? We, we, we serve him with our life. So that's point number one. Serve God with your life. Point number two, write this down. Serve people with your time. We serve God with our life, but we serve people with our time. Now, here's the reason why I make that distinction and why it's so important to me. Uh, because I've seen a lot of people who love Jesus... Uh, give their life to people. I'm going to just let that sit. I'm going to let it breathe real quick. Everybody take that in. Then I'll say it again. I've seen a lot of people in church give their life to people. Before you know it, they're hurt by people. Then they get cynical with people. And then they can't stand people. But they keep coming to show up and they start hurting people. And here's the reason why they start hurting people. You're never supposed to give your life to them. We're not asking you to give your life to church. Just give your time. And you can kind of set the parameters of the time you'll give. And when you're done with your time, go bye-bye. We've been in church all of our lives. I was growing up, I, I grew up in church. And, and we know people that were in church every time the doors open. That was like the bragging rights. I, I, I've been in church every time the doors open, I'm in church. You don't have a life. Your kids hate you. Your spouse is very mad at you. Go on a date. Take your kids to their game. Go to the park. Play video games. Amen. <laughs> we serve people 
with our time. And if you don't have those boundaries right, you'll serve and serve and serve, and you'll start expecting to get something from people that only God can give you, and you will wind up incredibly upset. So I want to read you something. Luke chapter 22, starting at the seventh verse. And I want to read this whole thing because, (laughs) as you know, when I read the Bible, it's like a pop-up storybook. I mean, I see everything leaping off the page. And there's something that's in here that is absolutely hilarious to me. (laughs) So I'm going to start from the seventh verse. Uh, Now the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked. He replied, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him uh, at the house he enters. Say to the owner, the teacher asks, uh, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. Now, now you're talking about serving the Lord by obeying him. We're going to have communion. Where are we going to have it? Go to Jerusalem. You're going to see a guy, just like a guy. You're going to see a guy with, carrying a pitcher. Now, here's how you know it's the Lord. Uh, the, the men didn't carry the pitchers. The women did. So this was already like, okay, that's a clear marker. So they go into Jerusalem. Guess who they find? A guy carrying a pitcher. I'm like, man, this dude is legit. They follow him to this one house, and he goes, hey, do you have the place that the teacher said would be ready? And they're like, yeah, it's right upstairs. And he said it was upstairs. So he he knew it was going to be a guy with a picture, and he knew it was going to be a two-story place. Oh, this is fantastic. This guy's legit. Okay? Uh, they, They went off to the city and found everything, just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of heaven. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks for it. Uh, Then he said, take this and share it amongst yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. Now, communion hasn't started yet. They just had some wine just because. I'm going to leave that right there. Okay, so they have that wine. Then he says, now take some bread and give thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is not the first cup. This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. But here at this table, sitting among us as a friend, is the man who will betray me. For it has been determined that the Son of Man must die, but what sorrow awaits that one who betrays him? The disciples began to ask each other, which of them would ever do such a thing? And then the most incredible moment of ADD happens (laughs) in biblical history. This man is preparing to die. This man is setting up communion, meeting for the last time with his disciples. He's saying, this bread you're eating is going to be like my broken body. This cup of wine that you're about to drink is going to be like my blood being shed. And I'm not going to, you're not going to get the fulfillment of it, and I won't be able to explain it all until I'm back in the kingdom of God. 
and one of you are going to betray me. This is a serious moment. They start off going, who is it? The disciples began to ask each other, which of them would ever do such a thing? 24. Then they began to argue amongst themselves about who would be the greatest among them. How? Um, how? Just how, though? How have we gone from dun-dun-dun, someone's going to betray, to, like, like, how do you even transition into that? Like, I wonder which one of us it is, because I would never betray Jesus. Would you betray Jesus? No, I wouldn't betray Jesus. Would you betray Jesus? I would never betray Jesus, but I, well, what I do want to know, because I know it's not me, who's going to be the greatest? I would like to know that, and I would like to know that right now. Like, how do you even switch up that quick? I have never seen this before until I was studying for this message, and I was going, has that always been in there? These are the biggest idiots I've ever seen. <laughs> Jesus, you've called. How, how could you, you must have a plan for us if this is the man. Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lorded over their people. Yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank. And the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important? The one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course. Get these next three words. But not here. but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. Listen, point number two, again, serve people with your time. I think Jesus laid out a great blueprint for us because that's all he did. The only thing that's documented in his three and a half years is him serving people with his time. His life belonged to God. And we know that he didn't spend all his time with the people because he would get up some mornings and be gone before his disciples woke up. They didn't even know where he was. Where's the master? He's off somewhere praying. We can't find him. Well, let's take the boat to the other side. Then he just shows up on the lake. So Jesus knew how to get away. But he got away, got refilled, refreshed, and came back down and served people with his time. There's a core value that we have uh, as a staff here at Embassy City Church, that we walk, we do not run. So many times in Christian ministry, there's this kind of, you know, fast-paced, almost corporate mentality that we got to do more, and we got to, come on, people and service and ministry, and we got to run and do it because Jesus is coming back. May I remind you that Jesus was able to fulfill three and a half years of his earthly ministry fulfill every Old Testament prophecy that was ever spoken about him without ever running to his next appointment. We walk by faith. And every time you see in the Bible flying, running, racing, they are what is called a metaphor. 
It's a metaphor. We don't expect you to literally start running. Have you ever met the too busy Christian? (laughs) Too busy for Jesus. Can't stop. Too busy for Jesus. And Jesus is like, I I didn't even ask you to do all of that. Like, you can stay home tonight. I can't stay home tonight. I can't go on vacation. If I go on vacation, we got to plan a vacation so I can be back by the time church starts because I can't miss church. Because if I miss church, then daddy will be mad. And if daddy will be mad, daddy will hurt me. And if daddy hurts me. Whose dad would, who are you thinking about? You can't be thinking about him. The one who never sleeps or slumbers, but on the seventh day rested. So in the same way with people, we serve people with our time. You can choose to do that any way you want. After this service, there will be an opportunity for people that have not volunteered yet to volunteer, to choose a lane, to choose a path, to serve in this congregation. But also, you can serve your community. You can serve people at your job. You can serve your family. All it takes is some time. Not your whole life, but with your life, set aside some time to serve. Point number three, write this down. Serve people through your gifts. We serve God with our life. We serve people with our time. And the way we serve people is through our giftings. Now, I'm going to take you to some uh, passages of Scripture in Romans, 1 Corinthians, and then in Peter. First, Romans chapter number 12. Uh, starting at the sixth verse. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So, hey, we're all off the hook right there. We don't all do the same thing well, okay? I I love pastoring this church. I love teaching. You do not want me to get on the worship team. I'm doing you a favor. You just don't want me to do that. I will make the most joyful noise, all caps on noise, that you have ever heard. I need great singers to drown out my voice so I can sing loud, okay? If they ever dropped all the sound and I was just like, oh, what a savior, it would not be good, okay? So we, so we have gifts to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, Serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. Can can I just pause and say right there, this Embassy City Church, the residents of Embassy City Church, y'all are the most givenest, one-year-old baby church we have ever seen in our entire lives. I'm telling you, there... There is literally no way. Do you know I can't talk to other church planners? That's how bad I've been ruined by how extravagant you all give to this church. When I talk to other church planners, they're like, man, 
oh, first year planet, man, it's brutal, isn't it? And I'm like, actually, <laughs> this is like the easiest thing I've ever done in my whole life. Oh, church planning, oh, man, it's brutal. And just, man, you can't get people to give, and you can't get them to show up, and you can't get them to serve. And I'm like, I, no, actually, yeah, no, actually, people show up and give and to serve. Like, I don't, I'm so sorry. Yeah. It's like God's with us or something. I don't know. So I just want to say, you all do an incredible job. Uh, if God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. They, they said these are gifts. <laughs> Did you know you could just have a gift? You could just be anointed to be kind to people? That when you get to work in the morning, good morning! You're just not like a jipper personality. You've been gifted to just be nice. You go to Starbucks and you, you're just like, you know what? I'm buying coffee for the whole line. Do you know that's just as much of an anointing as somebody singing or preaching or healing a back, growing out a leg? And we'll be like, oh, I want those spiritual gifts. Do you know that kindness and encouraging people are as much giftings as the others. Let's look at the others. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, starting at the fourth verse. Here's what it says. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. So we could be, all be doing different things in service to, the, to our Lord, but we're all serving the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. Here we go. Underline this if you don't have it underlined. So we can help each other. Why did God give the spiritual gifts? So we can help each other. So listen, if you ever get somebody, get around somebody who has a spiritual gifting and they think that they're God's favor to the earth, back back. Give yourself about 50 feet. Because he gave us our gifts to help others. I didn't grow up wanting to be a preacher. I went to school and studied administration of justice so I could be a homicide detective. I gave my life to Jesus Christ January 14th of 1996, and five weeks later, I preached my first sermon. That was 20 years ago, almost 21 years ago now. I'm still preaching. God placed a gift on the inside of me. And it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to us. So I can't put a price on it. And I can't even take it wherever I want to go or do whatever I want to with it. When I get invited for a preaching engagement, I have to ask the one that gave me the gift first. Uh, Dad, do you, do you, I got an engagement. Do you want me to go? Am I the person that you want to fulfill this? And sometimes it's yes, and other times it's no. And here's the thing. Remember, we serve people with our time. So every ministry opportunity doesn't mean I have to go. Just because you ask doesn't mean I have to show up. Because if it's on a Friday and it's my date night, sorry. I have something to do. Oh, uh, I thought you gave your life to the Lord. I did. I gave my life to the Lord. I'm only giving you some time. 
I'm not getting divorced behind you and your revival that you want to run for three weeks. My wife looks better than everybody in your church, so I'm staying with Juliet. She will not be mad at me because the Lord called me. Not without her permission. Not without her blessing. Don't get me started on this, y'all, because that is... Okay, anyway. Um, talking about spiritual gifts. Uh, the same spirit gives... Okay, I got to go back up. Okay. Uh, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. Uh, to, that's the gift of wisdom. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. Okay, word of knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Lord, is from the Spirit of God, or from another spirit. That's the spirit of discernment. Uh, still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. That, that should help anyone that's ever coveted someone else's gift. Man, I wish I could do that. Stop yourself. If he wanted you to do it, you would have it. You don't. Stop. Last thing you want to do is lust after a spiritual gift. Well, he gave me the gift of kindness, and I say hi to everybody, but I would really like to raise some people from the dead. And I'm glad I get to hug people, but be so cool if I could raise people from the dead. It's probably why you don't have it. Because if it's that much in you, maybe your ego would get all jacked up. So the Lord's like, you get kindness. Just let you walk around with that one for a little bit. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay, um, uh, First Peter. Y'all getting anything out of this? Okay. First Peter, chapter number four, and then, then we'll be done. Okay. First Peter, chapter number four, verse number 10. Here's what it says. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Okay. I want y'all to read that line with me. Okay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Again, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. One more time. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Okay, here's what that means. Every single one of us have been gifted by God with a spiritual gift. You may be still trying to figure out what it is, but here's what you can't say. I don't have one of those because he gave them to all of us. He didn't give us all the same thing, but he gave us all a spiritual gift. Okay. And here in the same verse is what it says. Use them well to serve each other. Why did God give it to us? Not for us to boast, not for us to brag, not for us to show off so that we can serve each other. That's why he gifted us. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. 
Do you have the gift of helping others? It's a gift. Anybody here, do you, just, you just like to help. You're just like a helper, okay? If Noah, my five-year-old, was in here, that, Noah has the spiritual gift of helping. Every day when I get home, he, he gets right behind me. I walk into, because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man of predictability. I do the same thing every day. I walk in the house. I, the kids jump in my arms. They take off down, <clears throat> jump, hug one, kiss. Second, jump, hug one, and then Juliet, run, jump. I do squats. I'm good, okay? She's super light. So um, then I go into my bedroom and, and go to the master uh, closet, and uh, I sit down, and Noah starts taking off my shoes and taking off my socks and then taking off my blazer, hanging it up, hanging it back up. There's a little stepladder he gets on, take off my shirt, he puts the shirt up, and he starts asking, hey, Dad, how's your day been? How many meetings did you have today? He's just a little helper. He doesn't even know how not to do it. That's who he is. That's not Nathan's gift. <laughs> Nathan runs in, jumps in my arms, give him a kiss. He doesn't even ask how my day is. He just turns around and starts watching Teen Titans like nothing changed. But Nathan has the gift of leadership. And Nathan does have the gift of kindness. We go to Chuck E. Cheese, he has five friends by the time he leaves every single time we go to Chuck E. Cheese. And not only that, he takes pictures with him in the little photo booth so he can come home. That's my friend Jake. He's met Jake one time. He's never seen Jake again. They didn't exchange numbers. It's my friend Jake. Hang out with him some. Me and the rat, you know, just hang out, eat some pizza. So that's how they roll, OK? Do you have the gift to, of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Here it is. Then everything you do <laughs> will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Here we serve. And listen, there's no way that we could have done in the first 12 months everything that we have done if it wasn't for people who came in with their gifts and said, I'm here to serve. And some people that helped us to start and get off the ground are no longer with us. They felt led to help launch. And then God called them somewhere else. You know what we did? We cheered them. Thank you so much. That was the best seven months ever. You are amazing. And we celebrate where God is taking you next. It wasn't like, I, th I thought you were here. I thought you were going to be down with us. Why are you leaving? Well, the Lord calls people in, and he'll call people out. There's some people that are with us right now. You'll be here with our 30th anniversary. And there's some people that won't be here by our 30th month because the Lord will call you somewhere and we'll celebrate and go, yay! Be because my philosophy is this. I've never seen a bus driver get mad when people get on his bus. <laughs> Why are you getting on my bus? And I've never seen a bus driver get mad 
when people get off the bus. Because he's a bus driver. So like he just takes people from here to there. And they have certain stops. And there's some people that get, off, get up on the first stop he makes and they get off on the last stop he makes. And there's some that get up the stop here and they don't feel like walking three blocks and then they get off right there. That's how I see our assignment. We're called to take you from here to there. As citizens of heaven, as residents of this community, we're called to take you from here to there. And if that means you go three blocks or you go with us 30 years, yay. We just want to celebrate seeing God build you up before he takes you to your next destination. We get to serve here. We have the opportunity to see many people come to Jesus because a group of people were unselfish enough to say, I'll serve. I'm nice enough to greet. I'm disciplined enough to handle setup. The heat or the cold doesn't bother me. I'll help people direct traffic out. I'll pray. I'll give. But I just want to serve. And I feel for this season, God has called me to serve here. If you do that, you'll be obeying God and helping others. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?